0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Happy Easter to you on this wonderful Sunday morning. So glad you're here. If you're joining us here as a guest, if you're joining us here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, As Leighton had mentioned, this is our last Sunday service of the year. But uh, for those of you who are returning next year, good news. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be right here, same place, same time come August, and we'd love to have you worship with us come the fall. But uh, today we gather together to celebrate Easter together. Today's service is going to look a little bit different. Uh, For those of you who are regulars here at ACF, today's service is just going to look slightly different than normal. I'm going to have the worship team hang out with me up here on stage as I talk and we'll have some teaching interspersed with some songs of worship and celebration. I want to walk us through three brief segments of teaching here today. Instead of kind of sitting through one long sermon here this morning, I want to break up my message into three little mini bite-sized pieces that will hopefully illuminate for us the work of Jesus through the lens of the cross and the resurrection. I want to help us see here this morning that this story that we celebrate year after year, all the way over since over 2,000 years ago, still have major implications for our lives today. Friends, you need to understand this story that we're celebrating today is not a story of long ago. Yes and no. Yes, it happened long ago, but it carries implications for our lives here today. I want to spend some time unpacking that. And hopefully, hopefully by understanding the implications of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, my hope is that our hearts would be drawn into a deep place of worship and celebration. And that's why I'm going to teach a little bit, and then we're going to respond by, by engaging in singing and worship. And, and if you don't know the song, that's okay. Just, just fake it, lip sync, all right? Just, just fake it, and, and, and just read the, the lyrics off the screen, and make this your prayer, if you will. Today, folks, is a day to celebrate. I don't know if you caught wind of that, or if, if you understand that today, if there is any day to celebrate, friends, it is on Easter Sunday. But the question is, why? Why do we celebrate? Why, why, why are we celebrating today? What is there to celebrate? We celebrate because of this first truth. When we look through the lens of the cross and the resurrection, friends, we find that Jesus redeems our past. That Jesus redeems our past. Let me ask you folks this morning, I think I know the answer to this question, but, but how many of you, I, I, I want to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever done anything dumb in your life, right? Like you look back and you're like, oh man, that was stupid of me. Like why did I do that, right? Like think back on like when you were a kid, right? You did something that you knew you weren't supposed to do, but you go, went ahead and did it anyway. Or as an angsty teen boy, your teen girl, you're like, you, you know, you did some dumb things, right? Heck, maybe for some of you, you don't even need to think that far back. You're like, last week. Pastor, last week I did something dumb. Yesterday I did something stupid, right? Now look, for most of us, when we look at the dumb things that we do in our lives, generally speaking, we can look at it and sort of laugh at it. Like, oh, that that was stupid. Why did I do that, right? We, we, We poke fun at it and we chuckle at ourselves for a little bit. But what if I were to ask you this morning, to think about not so much about the dumb things that you've done in your past, but perhaps the mistakes that you've made. The mistakes that you made that you wish you could erase. You have one of those? What if I were to ask you to think about the choices that you've made that you've come to later regret in deep, significant ways? What if I were to ask you to think about your past decisions and choices that have ended up hurting other people? Or maybe even hurting yourself. Now, all of a sudden, this no longer becomes a laughing matter, does it? Friends, if I were to be honest with you this morning, I would tell you that my past is tattered. Some of you know bits and pieces of my story, bits and pieces of my past, but I'll tell you right now, I look put together this morning, my past is not put together. My past is nowhere near put together. I've done questionable things, made choices and decisions in my life that were not in the best interest of really anybody, sometimes even including myself. I have made choices that I have come to deeply regret, that have brought with it significant, negative, painful implications and consequences in my life. I want you to think about your past for a minute. If you were to put your life on a screen for all the world to see, if you were to put all your darkest, most twisted, dirty little secrets up on a movie screen, friends, let me ask you, would you want to be at the world premiere of that film? Probably not. Probably not. But friends, here's the wonderfully, gloriously good news of the gospel. Here's what the death and resurrection of Jesus did with our regrettable past. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Colossians 2. You don't need to turn there. We're going to put it up here on the screen for you. Colossians 2 says you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Paul is talking about our past here. In other words, there was a point in time when God looked upon you, when God looked upon me, when God looked upon us, and what he saw was our tainted, flawed, and broken past glued to us, attached to us. Paul is saying that part of you wasn't quite cut away from you. But then he goes on and he says, then, then, as if to say that was the case at one point, that's how God saw you. But then, God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave, not just some of your sins, not the sins that were really easy to forgive, not the small stuff that you could kind of say, oh, that was a dumb thing, i laugh at that. The, the, all of your sins, the scripture says, God forgave us of all of them. Verse 14, he says he canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory. That's why we celebrate because we've got victory as the people of God by his victory over them on the cross. Friends, here is what Paul is saying if you're not catching it. God essentially looked at our rap sheet and he tore it up into a million different pieces and he threw it out the window. He looked at our criminal record of all the wrongs that we have done. And friends, you need to understand even the slightest wrongs in the eyes of a holy righteous God is an injustice is a wrong. All the evil thoughts and evil motives, evil intentions, all our wrongful deeds and actions, he took that record and he completely expunged it once and for all. (laughs) He said, you've got no record anymore. I took care of it. I canceled it. He looked at our past and he declared over it, redeemed. Redeemed. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward us. Friends, Jesus redeems our past because he is motivated by love. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Friends, Jesus redeems our past. And because Jesus has redeemed our past, And he completely washed away all of our past. We are no longer defined by our past mistakes. You're free from that. You're free from your past failures. You're you're free from your, your past regrets and your former regrets. We can now approach the throne of grace with confidence, the writer of Hebrews tells us. We are welcomed into the arms of a loving God without any shame, without any guilt, without any blemish or stain to our souls, because Jesus has redeemed us. He simply says to us, welcome home. Welcome home. I've been waiting for you. Welcome home. Welcome home. Can we just take a moment and just just sit on that for a minute? And maybe you might just even want to offer up a word of thanks to the Lord here this morning to say, Jesus, thank you that your cross and resurrection redeemed my past. That as as, as regrettable as my past is, as shameful as the things that I have done and that I carry with me are, Lord, you have redeemed it all. You have canceled the record of wrong. Once and for all, you expunged it. Can we just take a moment, church, and just... Just enter into a moment of prayer of thanksgiving. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that my past is redeemed. Thank you for your warm embrace. Lord, thank you that you take our past as bad and ugly and as battered as it may seem. You take it and you redeem it completely. Oh, God, thank you that our past doesn't define us. The enemy of our soul would love to convince us of otherwise that our past, that our mistakes, that the choices that we've made, that we wish we could have a do-over. Oh God, when I look back on my life how I wish I had some do-overs. The cross and the resurrection is our do-over. It is our opportunity to say I am no longer defined by that stuff but I have been cleansed washed clean by the blood of Jesus, and I am given new life. Oh, Lord, thank you. Just in your own words, just, just begin to thank the Lord for redeeming your past. Oh Lord, thank you that our past doesn't hold us back from approaching your presence. Rather, scripture tells us that we can approach your throne of grace with confidence. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you that the veil is forever torn, that we have a high priest who stands in our gap, who stands in the chasm between us and God, and now we have access to approach the throne of God with confidence, to be able to come before the throne of God above and to say, Lord, here I am. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home into the arms of my loving father. And I'm leaving my past behind because you've taken care of it once and for all. Thank you for redeeming our past." When we look at the cross and the resurrection, we not only find that Jesus redeems our past, but he also empowers our present. Jesus empowers our present. You see, that's what the resurrection does for us. Church, if, 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 lest we forget, may I remind you that the resurrection reminds us that because Jesus is alive, we can know that he is still at work today. Because Jesus is alive, he is still at work today. Friends, listen, a dead God cannot move in your life. How could he? He's dead. But friends, you and I both know that we don't worship a dead God here this morning. No, we worship the living God, the living Lord of Lords, and the risen King of Kings. His name is Jesus, and he is alive. He's alive, and this Jesus promised us in his final days before he ascended into heaven that he will always be with us until the very end of the age. Folks, because of the cross and the resurrection, we know that Jesus is near us. He is close to us. He is with us, but friends, get this. Not only that, his power resides in us. His power resides in us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that conquered the power of sin, that overcame darkness, that swallowed up death forever, that same power lives in you, lives in me. But also, This same power was the same power that was present in all of Christ's ministry throughout the Gospels. And so this same power is the same power that opened blind eyes, that healed the sick, the power that raised the dead, the power that caused the lame to leap, that power that caused demons to go running and fleeing the other way. That same power lives in us. Let that sink in for just a moment. Let that sink in for just a moment here this morning. Because I think we, we, if we don't grasp this, we don't understand the beauty of the resurrection. That that same power who raised Jesus from the dead, that same power who conquered evil and death once and for all, that same power lives in us. Now, look, I know what you're thinking. I don't feel that power. I don't feel like I've got this, this incredible power living inside of me. Okay, that, that, that's why we're gathered here. That's why we're gathered here to, to, to remind us of what is true. Because how many of you, am I the only forgetful person in the room? Sometimes I forget the beauty and the power of the gospel. And so I, I want to I remind you of this truth here today that that power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you now listen if that's true if that is true that the power of Christ's presence empowers our presence here's what this means no matter what hell you're going through right now you can rest assured god is bigger god is greater In fact, you can fill in the blank to the statement, God is bigger than with whatever you want. Whatever comes up in your mind, you can fill in the blank. God is bigger than. Think about this for just a minute. If Jesus truly empowers my presence, then I can know that God is bigger than my fears. If God truly empowers my presence, and this power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, then I can know without a shadow of a doubt that God is bigger than my anxiety. That God is bigger than my depression. God is bigger than my disappointments and my greatest frustrations in life. God is bigger than even my uncertainties. Sometimes our uncertainties seem so overwhelming that it cripples us. The uncertainty of my future, the uncertainty of my life, the uncertainty of my relationships, the uncertainty of what is to come. Friends, I'm telling you right now, the cross and the resurrection reminds us that God is bigger than even your greatest uncertainties. God is bigger than my sin and brokenness. God is bigger than my deepest pain and hurt that I'm experiencing right now. God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. Even if I don't feel it, I'm going to proclaim it in faith. God is bigger than my deepest pain and hurt that I'm currently experiencing. God is bigger than my insecurities and my greatest doubts. God is bigger than. God is greater than. First John 4 tells us that greater is he who lives in you That same power who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. John says that same God who lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. Friends, because of the cross and resurrection, you have the God of the universe, the king of glory, the great I am living inside of you, empowering you for today. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel like I can freaking climb the highest mountain and slay the mightiest of giants. And this this is better than a bowl of Wheaties in the morning, friends. I hope you're catching this. This is the good news of the resurrection of Jesus that because he lives, he empowers us to overcome anything that faces your life today. You fill in the blank with whatever. I challenge you. You fill in the blank with whatever comes to mind and I promise you God will come through. God will show himself to be bigger than, greater than, blank. Because if Christ was raised from the dead, that means that that same power that we see all throughout the Gospels, all the way to the end, that same power lives in us. Jesus empowers our present He empowers our present. God is greater than. God is greater. In fact, you would do yourself well if you just lived by that mantra all throughout your life. God is bigger than. God is bigger than. I'm facing this wall. God is bigger than. I'm facing this frustration, God is bigger than. I'm facing this disappointment, God is bigger than. I'm facing this hardship, I'm facing this trial, this tribulation that seems like it's going to overtake me. But I know, I know, I know that God is bigger than. God is bigger than. God is bigger than. Oh God, give us the faith to believe that here this morning that God, you are bigger than because it is you that declares that to be true. Because of the resurrection, we can know that you are Jesus, who you said you are. Lord, that you are God, the great I am, you are the one who opens blind eyes and, and causes the demons to run and flee the other way. That, that Jesus lives in us and therefore we are empowered for today. God is bigger than, God is greater than. Folks, Jesus redeems our past Jesus empowers our presence. And last but not least, Jesus secures our future. He secures our future. Because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, our future is firmly secure in him. Firmly secure in him. Friends, let me ask you a question here this morning. Have you ever had a movie ruined for you because of a spoiler? (laughs) Have you ever had that? Like, you know, some idiot goes online and he casually posts the ending of, of Infinity War and you're like, why are you doing this? What possessed you to, to a, a week after the premiere, to, to, to post your thoughts on the ending of it, right? Like, isn't that the worst? It's the worst, absolutely. By, by the way, just a public service announcement. Don't do that with Endgame, please. I mean, okay, like I, I might have to end you if you, if you end, uh, if you ruin the Endgame for me. So, so just keep it to yourself until, until it comes out on Netflix. You can, you, that's safe territory, okay? Until it comes out, uh, that's safe territory. I don't want to know how it ends until I watch the movie for myself. And it, isn't that true for all of us and, and for most of the movies that we watch it's the worst to find out the ending of a movie before you even watch it. In many ways, if, if you know the ending, you might wonder to yourself, is there even any point in watching the rest of it? I, I, and some movies are that good. You say, yeah, you know, even if like it's not as good, just, just watch it. It's worth watching. But for most movies, if you know how it all ends, doesn't it feel kind of pointless to watch any of it? Now, where am I going with this? Friends, I want you to think about your life for a minute. And let's just say that you get to the end of your life. The last scene before the credits roll. And you discover that there is nothing at the end of the road. There's no promise of heaven There's no post-credit scenes. There's no pearly gate. There's no after-party in the afterlife. There's just nothing. When your life ends, that's it. It ends. There's nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty sad way to go out for me. (laughs) If I knew that that's how the movie ended, I'm not sure how much I'd want to stick around for any of it if I knew that the culmination of my life would come to a big old nothing, I gotta tell you, church, I'm not sure I would see a whole lot of value in living my life today. If there's nothing at the end of the road, if there's nothing to look forward to, what is the meaning of today? In fact, most people who suffer with suicidal thoughts often will say things like, when I look into my future, I don't see anything. Heck, I don't even see a future There's no hope. There's no purpose. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's just nothing. There's nothing. And so the question I'm left with is, so why live? Why live? If I know that at the end of my road, there is just nothing, why live? And if that is our actual reality that there is actually nothing at the end of the road, then the question, why live, actually becomes a valid question. In fact, this was the question that half of the world was asking just a few nights before the original Easter morning. Why live? Heck, why should we go on anymore? Right? All hope is lost. The supposed Messiah who was supposed to come and save us, redeem us, and rescue us We just watched him be crucified on a cross and buried in a tomb. So you tell me, world, why live? Why should I go on any longer? Because I'm at the end of the road and I see nothing. There is nothing but a tomb. There is nothing but a blood-stained cross. There is nothing but a messiah people, a people left in captivity. So why live? Three days later, Jesus would give us an answer to that question. Why live? We know that's not how the story ends. Because three days later, Jesus would give us a reason to live. He says, no, no, no. Friday was a thing of the past. I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing his resurrection Christ's resurrection hear me now is the first of all resurrections to come for you and for me listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians he says but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died so you see just as death came into the world through a man now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man Paul's talking about Jesus here Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ, get this, will be given new life. Friends, when you follow Christ in this life, he gives you a new life in the afterlife. Jesus says, when you follow me in this life, I promise you a new life in the afterlife. That's what you have to look forward to at the end of the road, a new life with him, eternity with the Father. Jesus secures that very future for us. Paul goes on and he says, but there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. In verse 24, he says, after that, the end will come. You want to talk end game? Here's the end game. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Did you catch that, church? Death is not our final destination. It is not the empty void of nothingness is not our eternal destiny. Christ has defeated death, and when he returns, he will do away with death once and for all. Oh, how I look forward to that day when Christ shall come with trumpet sound and call home his bride to be with him forever. Death is not our final destination. And I love what Paul does next. Paul continues on and he points out the futility of our lives. If there were no resurrection, listen to what he says. If the dead will not be raised, there's no resurrection for us, right? What point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? What point is there? And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people in Ephesus? I mean, can you believe this? Like, can you imagine being called a wild beast by the Apostle Paul? Like, and what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, that there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. You hear the, the futility, the, the, the vapor nature of our lives if there were no resurrection. Just a few verses earlier, Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. And your faith, oh Christian, is useless. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Friends, we would be hopelessly lost, forever, eternally lost, if it were not for the resurrection. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied, more to be scorned than anyone in the world. Friends how meaningless life would be if we had no hope for a future why live would become the question of our lives if there were no resurrection but folks we don't live as people who have no hope for a future because christ has secured our future for us the resurrection of jesus paves the way for a more hopeful future than you could even imagine. The resurrection of Jesus paves the way for a hopeful future for the people of God who have bowed our knee to the lordship of Jesus. We can have hope today because our tomorrow is certain. We can have hope today, right now, in this moment, in your very seats, because we are certain of tomorrow. Because Christ has secured your future, my future, eternally for good once and for all through the cross and the resurrection. Jesus secures our future.